0: This episode is part two. Be sure to listen to part one before listening to this episode. Thank you for joining us today. In this episode, prior members will recount their experiences while inside the religious group I grew up in. If you would like to learn more, share your story, or become a sponsor, please visit us at cultinconnecticut.com. You are now listening to Colton Connecticut.
1: But as time progressed, we began to see more and more things going on. The, the 24 hours of prayer, you would go exhausted and you would leave exhausted. And it eventually showed itself up to be a way that they broke people down. They broke down their barriers. They broke down their resistance. You couldn't hardly say no because we were so exhausted all the time. You couldn't barely function sometimes. And we'd work these mad hours. But we had people in the church who came up and volunteered their time at Wibbly Tire and got paid no wages. They did work, but they got paid no wages. There was rumors abounding about folks working there and and not getting paid. And so I'm going to tell a little bit of my story about my time at Wibbly Tire And the way that we were broke down, the way that we were so convinced that we were doing God's work and God's will, that we couldn't resist what was an obvious, incorrect thing to do. So Sam approached me and said, the business is really struggling right now, and we can't afford your wages. And we can't afford another gentleman's wages. So we need to lay you off. But he said, I can't afford to lay you off because you're one of the primary workers. In the commercial department, and I need you to work here. So he said, What I need you to do is file for unemployment and do your job search. But after you've done your job search every day, come to the shop and work with me and just call it volunteer time. I did that to the end of my unemployment. I can't remember there was once or twice that we did it. One time there was two of us, another time there was three of us a gentleman who kind of became disgruntled with the church and the way things were going reported that. So we were brought into a arbitration with workman's comp where I was fined the back pay of all that they had paid me. And I was to pay that back. Sam felt pretty bad about it. So they offered to pay over the course of 10 years, roughly what, was owed. Even after I had left Wibbly's, I got a small check from Wibbly Tire, but they garnished my tax refunds. They garnished everything else until finally that, that was paid back. It was a crazy thing to do. And I knew it was wrong, but I was so convinced that what Sam had come up with for a plan and Mrs. Spademan approved of was the appropriate thing to do that I went along with it anyways. If you could call that brainwashing, I guess you could call it brainwashing. The fortunate thing for me was things begin to stack stack on the wrong end of the scale. The right end of the scale for me, the wrong end of the scale for the church. I eventually came to the point, Kathy was going to leave the church, with or without me. She was like, you know, if you need to divorce me. And we had at times been approached by the ministry. I remember one time being told by one of the ministers, you love your wife too much. Because we weren't going to turn our backs on each other and we weren't, we weren't going to go rabbit on each other like other husband and wives did. I, I can't believe a minister would come and tell you that you love your wife too much. When Paul said, Love your wife as Christ loved the church. That's a great example of how far off base this cult was. The way they manipulated people, the way they manipulated biblical scriptures, and the things that were said, they destroyed lives. I can tell you. Lives that were destroyed. I mean, we had a a young man who was accused of all kinds of things, uh, abusing his younger sister. And I was sitting in on that, but fortunately, I had a road call to go to because I was on call. So I got called out of that meeting. The result of that was the police arrested that young man. And although nothing was ever proved, and his family absolutely disputed every charge of it, it was a blemish on him for quite some time. As we eventually came, To the point where Kathy and I were like, we're done. I remember getting a call to preach. John Hibbert had called from England and told me the text and everything else. And I said to him on the phone, I can't preach that because I don't believe that. And there was shock. And there was going to be some discipline. Not long after that, we finally left King's Chapel. The subsequent consequence of my involvement in that is that I have not been able to escape the job, you know, the the path that I was set on by Sam Wibley when he took me out of the job I really loved. I still struggle. I have anger problems. Sometimes I drink too much because I find it very difficult to cope with a tire job that I do now. I'm very good at it, but it's changed my personality. I'm not the man I was.
0: Join us for a special bonus segment where each contributor will share what they remember and can tell us about Syro.
1: Mrs. Spademan, Jean Spademan, came from Bethel Church in England. We heard her story. John Hibbert was going around door to door, you know, preaching the gospel, trying to winch people for the church there that he was a pastor of. And when he knocked on a door, Jean Spademan opened the door. She had a bunch of kids. As far as I know, she was, had been married and divorced and then was remarried again. Her current husband, Fred Spademan, was the man that I became familiar with as her husband. So John would go and visit Mrs. Spademan. She had episodes where she would hear voices in her head. And so she reported banging her head against the radiator in her house, trying to get the voices to stop. So John Hibbert went about praying for Mrs. Spademan's deliverance from these evil spirits that were talking to her in her head and everything else. Prayed for a number of months, and I think she was delivered of these evil spirits. The voices stopped. He went to her house. He prayed for her. They exercised these evil spirits, and she was in her right mind. So she started going to services and everything else. And she had a number of health issues, which kind of prevented her from doing a lot of stuff. Mrs. Spayman was very unhealthy. She had lived an unhealthy lifestyle, and she was kind of reaping some of that. But the later import of all that poor living really came to bear maybe about 10 years later when the ministry was fully involved here in the United States. But her testimony, and I heard this from Mrs. Spayman directly, was... She was baking a cake or baking something in the kitchen. And she normally used two eggs for this recipe. And she said she heard a voice distinctly not hers say one egg is fine. And so she had the second egg in her hand. And she's like, what? This recipe calls for two eggs. And I said, no, use one egg. And she had the egg in her hand to break. And then she put it aside. And she told John Hibbert she had heard from God. So follow me for a minute. This is not normally how God calls prophets, at least in all the Old Testament that I've ever read. And I've read it cover to cover a number of times in my Bible, and my Old Testament. I'm versed with many prophets in the Old Testament. God never called an Old Testament prophet that way. The other interesting thing was, it didn't take long for her to ascend to this voice of God in the midst of Bethel Church. John Hebert was convinced that she'd heard God's voice. And it was only a few years before she was elevated, basically to the position of prophet. She would say she heard these things. They would go on them. It sounded reasonably good. So they would do the things. Consider this, that she was a brand new Christian. She had no basis in God's word. She had no foundation of Christian ethics. She had, no, she had no, no biblical training or foundation. And so when she said things, her theology could totally be off. But because they started to attribute to her the office of a prophet, people would believe what she said. I remember an instance where a young man in our church said, you know what, if the Bible says one thing and Syro says another, I'm going to believe Syro. And that struck me as, that's crazy. Now, the reason we called her Syro, it goes back to a biblical story where a Syro-Phoenician woman was looking for her daughter to be healed. And she went to Jesus and asked for this healing. And Jesus said, he said, I'm called to the the Jews. I'm not called to the Gentiles. And she said, but even the dogs eat from the crumbs of the master's table. And Jesus looked at her and said, I haven't seen a faith like that in all of Israel. And he healed her daughter. So they attributed the same kind of faith to Mrs. Spademan for overcoming this demonic possession and beginning to listen and hear the voice of God and being fearless in the face of challenges. And so they nicknamed her Syro. And that was used by her friends in the ministry team. It was an affectionate nickname that they called her. It was said reverently and with a smile on your face. And she was the friends of those in the ministry team. Syro wasn't afraid to spend other people's money. Syro wasn't afraid to have people come and work in her house. When I was whisked away to England after my episode at Wibbly Tire, I was invited to eat over at Cyro's house one day, sat at her table, and had lunch with her. Syro was an older woman. She wore glasses. She had a triple chin, gray hair. She would grab your arm when she talked to you, and she acted like your grandmother sometimes. She spoke with this authority that she wanted you to believe her with. And so people did. But her house was absolutely immaculate. She had this wooden stairway running up through the center of a house up to the second floor. The woodwork was perfection. The wooden floors were perfection. The rooms that were carpeted were absolutely carpeted in the best carpet you could get. She had a a swimming pool built, which was built from church funds because she, she wanted the kids in the neighborhood to be able to come and swim at the swimming pool, which was an indoor swimming pool, by the way. Not cheap to have. I don't remember one instance of neighborhood kids from that neighborhood going to swim at her pool. It was often unused. Those who use it were her family, principally, her grandkids, people who came from the United States to be ministered to, and I use that term loosely. They were allowed to use those facilities. There was a ton of money given to build that, and it was never used for the purpose it was intended. Many of the people who gave to that project Assume they were giving so that Syro could do her therapy and stuff like that in this pool. And also, the neighborhood kids who she would minister to would come and swim in the pool. So, that was the whole purpose of that. We also spent hours praying for Syro because she had various health issues. She had prolapses, she had uh, cystocele and rectocele issues, all due to overweight all due to abuses of the body from when she was younger. And so the church was tasked with praying for Cyrus healing. We were told that often when she was sick or not well, it was our fault because she was responsible for our misdeeds, our behavior, our sins, our whatever else were kind of laid on her as a punishment. I mean, as I look back now, it's the most foolish thing I ever heard of because there was one man sent to bear our sins in punishment, and that was Jesus Christ. And he did it once for all on the cross. And all the gospels say that the sacrifice was made once for all for all men everywhere in the body of Jesus Christ. And the fact that we bought into that and Mrs. Spademan made it known that she was suffering because of what people did, the sins, the evil thoughts, The lustful thoughts. And I can tell you this, she was focused, fixated on sexual things and lustful things. And she spent, she spent hours watching Jerry Springer. The reason was twofold. It helped her forget about all the other things that were going on in her life. And she wanted to understand the reasons for the the immoral things that people did. That was her excuse for watching Jerry Springer. Mrs. Spademan was accorded a lot of extras. There was one time when she was in the United States, she would suffered particularly hard and needed to go back to England. It was time for her to go back. She would get a word from the Lord, it's time to go back, time to go back to Bethel, time to go back to Mansfield Woodhouse. She was not feeling very good. The regular flight wasn't going to do. So the church paid for her to fly in the Concord. On the same flight was uh, Princess Diana. The expense of that flight was ridiculous. We used to fly on an airline called people's Express. It was kind of like Federal Express, only for people. They jammed extra seats into those planes. You used to fly for a ninety nine dollars round trip, but it was like being herded like cattle when you had when you were paid for flights to England, it was usually on people's express yet mrs spademan. Often flew first class on American Airlines or one of the other airlines on this particular instance. Yes, she needed to get back to England quickly. She wasn't feeling good. She didn't think she could endure the flight. So we paid for her to go on the Concorde. So Mrs. Spademan would look at you with these gentle eyes and act like a grandmother and She would sometimes command the worst stuff to be done, either at your hands, to carry out something. I remember one instance where they'd invited me to go over to work on her daughter's house to do electrical work there because I had been trained as an electrician. It was very near Christmas, and so we were to help her, her daughter, Josie, upgrade the house. And they were also building some apartments in the land next to Josie's house. I remember being over there with Kirk Miles. Before we could go home, we had to have the word from the Lord that we could go home from England to come home to the United States for Christmas. I didn't know, short of getting home a few days, just a few days before Christmas, that I would be home to spend Christmas with my family. Because we were waiting, and we were waiting. There was this period of asking is it time for Seth to go home? Is it time for Seth to go home? Is it time for Seth to go home? And all there was was, I can't be asked that right now. We have to wait. There was no reason given, but I can guarantee you this, it was all about control. Kirk Miles would be singing up as he was doing his work on one of the the roofs up there in the apartments that we were building. I'll be home for Christmas. You can count on it. And then he would say, but I doubt it. And Kirk actually ended up spending Christmas in England. They flew me home. Kathy had to go and get a Christmas tree by herself in an escort wagon. They couldn't even fit it on the car. The guy that owned the Christmas tree farm generously put it in the back of his pickup truck and actually got it into the house for Kathy. Because normally that would have been my job. But I was in England working on Mrs. Spayman's daughter's house and the apartment project. She appeared to be gentle. She appeared to be mild-mannered, but if you caught her in the right place, there was fire behind her eyes. You could see it. If you said the wrong thing, if she was upset with somebody, my goodness. And I, I can't say that I ever heard her swear, but I know she did. She would tell people, say this word about this person. And it's like, that's filthy. But she would say, that's what the Lord says you should say. And so people would say it. So that was the ultimate control. And Mrs. Spademan, she got a lot of stuff. She got a lot of benefit from the church. She had a lot of people bamboozled. She was no prophet. A lot of people would call her a grifter. She had people listening, people reporting back to her about things that other people said or did.
0: Thank you for listening to Colton, Connecticut, as I explore, investigate, and learn more about the religious group I grew up in, located in Norwich, Connecticut, and Mansfield Woodhouse, England, formerly known as Dayspring, King's Chapel, Bethel, Peniel, and the International Church.